Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. Romans 1, 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the word of God. Let's get into um, our message. So we are in week three on this, on two verses. And um, each of these, verse, th- these, these two verses has all these, inc- these incredibly important phrases. And, um, and today, I want to talk about this portion that says, For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith. So, if you have grown up in the church at all, you know that we believe that salvation is not by works. It is not about what you do. It is about what you believe. And um, so, we're talking, this issue of faith is a really big issue. And I'm going to add, and so the, the title of today's message is, What is Faith? What is Faith? There's a tremendous amount of confusion in our culture about this issue of faith, and I want to um, clarify some of that. And then I particularly want to teach you what is um, really the kind of faith that will save you, the faith in Jesus. And, and so let's get into it, all right? Part one, everyone has faith in something, all right? That's part one. Um, there's a lot of people today who think those religious people have faith. I don't. I'm, a, I'm secular or I'm an agnostic. And um, if you're hearing this message and you consider yourself one of the people that, uh, you know, in, in the, you know, the Pew Foundation has, a, has this survey that they do, and they find out that the, the largest percentage of people in their religious identification is nothing. Those people are Christians, these people are Buddhists, these people are Muslims, but the largest growing group in America are the people who identify as nothing. And almost all these people think, I do not have faith. Well, it's true. You don't have faith in God. You don't have faith in Christ. But you do have faith. Everybody has faith in something. So that's really important, and it's really a missing piece in today's religious and, um, and philosophical confusions, and I want to get at that. Part one. Part two, what is a saving faith? So um, that's really what this passage is talking about, faith in Christ. But usually there's a kind of question that goes underneath that, is my faith good enough? <laughs> that's probably a big question to a lot of you. Is, do I have the faith that actually will save me um, in Jesus, I know I believe in Jesus, but maybe my faith isn't good enough. And I want to talk to you about what is saving faith. In part three, um, I want to close by saying, not great faith, but faith in a great redeemer. That's a hint. <laughs> That's a really big hint about the nature of faith. Not great faith, but faith in a great redeemer, okay? So let's start, part one. Um, everyone has faith in something. Now, I want to push back a myth, okay? So I already kind of alluded to this. Most people think you believe in a religion and then you have faith. So 
you know, the, the, the most common one in America or the most well-known one in America is, is, uh, is Christianity or some are Jews. Uh, I believe in Judaism. And then, of course, there's Hinduism and Islam. And then there's like a bunch of other religions that are less well-known, like Sikhs. You know, most people don't know what Sikhs believe in. Um, I barely kind of know what they believe in. And then there's all kinds of other religions. Um, there's there's uh, the Church of Mormons. You know, there's Mormonism. There's Jehovah's Witness. And in general, in the discourse in America, people think that all these people, that if you believe in something like an organized institutional religion, you have faith, right? You have faith in some kind of religious viewpoint. But all the other people that says, I don't, or I'm unclear about this, or I'm not sure about this, they go, I don't have faith. On one level, if the vocabulary for the word faith simply means you believe in a historical institutional religion, that's kind of the way a lot of people in America think, that then that seems to be a perfectly logical way of using the word. These people have faith, and a growing percentage in America don't, and maybe you're one of them, okay? But um, that isn't the way the Bible, I think, is really getting at faith, and that's actually really not the most important usage of the word faith. Faith simply means uh, in, in, is that you believe in something, <laughs> And you believe in something enough to actually rest your life in it. Your life actually trusts in this thing and you're willing to bet. Faith is a bet. Let me tell you something. You all believe in something. Now this passage says this thing, that in the gospel there's the power of God for salvation. I said this to you a couple weeks ago. Um, whether you believe in salvation for, you know, by Jesus or not, Something in your life, you're looking for something in your life to make your life full. This thing, if I get this, then my life will be full and complete. And you know what? The Bible thinks that's really what you're looking for, salvation. Your salvation is that. So here in our city, the typical thing is, you know, success. You know, you go, success and whatever that may be. Some of you are like, I, I, I got to be a varsity athlete, got to get a scholarship, get into this college. A lot of you are, are more into the academic side. Some of you already run through that pathway. And some of you are, I'm going to go into the business side, or I'm going to the science side, or I'm going to go to medicine, or law, or engineering, etc. And this is a city with incredibly ambitious people, very, very you know, um, brilliant people, un unbelievably hardworking. It's a, it's a city of workaholics. And so in this city, if you don't get into a certain college or if you don't get up to a certain level in your career or if while you're chopping along in your career and then you get laid off and then it doesn't get back on track, then you'll feel that your life breaks and, it's, and it's, that's it right there. And you know what that means? They don't, we don't actually use the word salvation for it, but basically you're saying my life will be lost right there. <laughs> Some of you think your life will be lost at the age of 17 in March. When the, when the college that you just have to get into says, no, sorry, thank you for applying. Great, you know, that we had an incredibly competitive applicant field today. And you're going, oh no, salvation just went out the window right then in March of your senior year. Now, let me tell you something, that's a lie. <laughs> okay, but you know what you're basically saying? You're putting your, the reason why your, your, your heart shakes and why you feel anxi incredible anxiety or, or, you know, you're, it's because if this thing doesn't occur, then 
then my life won't be saved. That's what we're talking about. And for so many people in America today, we're less interested in kind of eternal salvation. We're interested in kind of like this temporal life's completion. If this life that I have gets full and complete, then, you know, you actually use the word, but you're basically saying, oh, I'll be saved. And as I said to you a couple weeks ago, there is standards for it. I mean, if your SAT score comes in about right here, it's not going to happen, right? You know, it's a, if, you're, um, if, you're, uh, if you don't quite perform to the level and your group inside your company doesn't, you know, have good results. So you're waiting for the quarterly results to come out and then the numbers are low. You didn't meet standards. And um, in the Bible, that standard is called righteousness. Today, we don't use that word. We use the word something like worth. worth. It's your worth. What's your worth? (laughs) You're not worth it. You're not worth promoting or giving a bigger contract to, or, you know, taking on to the next team. So, you know, when, you know, teams make cuts all the times. So this is what's going on in, in life. Um, you want to you get on to the baseball team in high school, and then you have to try out, and then you know what they do? They make a cut. You make the team, and then the next year, they cut you. And you think, oh, well, that was only in high school. No, it's not. It's not in high school. It'll happen in college. You want to get into that particular class, get into that major. You guys, you want to get in that major? I mean, especially at the big public universities. You got into Berkeley, great. Can you get into the business major? Then it's like, you, you don't make that cut. Oh, then you get that job. Then you get that job. Well, then they, great, you make that job. A year or two later, they're going to decide who's going get, get to go to the next level and be chosen for that next group. But then there are cuts. We don't call them cuts, but that's basically what they are right? And if you're not good enough, your righteousness is not good enough, you'll be cut. And one of the things I've been teaching you in these last couple of weeks is whether you make it or don't make it, the drum of salvation is at stake. It's just that you just think that this thing is the thing that's going to save you. And so we don't actually call it a God But let me tell you, that's the biggest God in the city. The biggest God in the city is the success God. Um, I forget the name of the author. And um, so I'm going to use a little bit of bad words here. But he says, success is the bitch goddess of America. (laughs) Success is the bitch goddess of this city. And a lot of people, you come in here to worship Jesus, but that's the real God that owns you. It just owns us, right? And so we don't, believe in Buddha or in Allah or in Jesus, but we do believe in this. (laughs) That's where your faith is actually is. Your faith is there. Your faith is in this God. And here's a a really terrible thing about those gods. They will demand worthiness. The demand for worthiness is very, very high. And so we think I'm not owned by Jesus, or I don't owe, you know, uh, you know, Allah, or I don't owe some other God, so I'm free. That's the, that's the thing that we would say in America. We have freedom. I get to choose, right? But I'm not going to choose one of these religious gods because the religion gods don't seem to be very interesting. But what I'm really interested in is one of these other things in life, and that's not really a God. It's not a God. <laughs> it can tell you who you are. It can tell you if your life has worth. It can tell you 
It can give you joy. <laughs> it can give you hope. It can also condemn you and cast you out. I'm telling you, if you fail to success, you will have a voice in your mind. And it'll tell you you're nothing. <laughs> it'll cast you out. It'll cast you into, you don't call it hell, but you'll be cast into this place of like nothing and worthlessness. Well, that's basically hell. <laughs> if you ask me, that's pretty much God. That's God. <laughs> that is God. That's like the real God. Like the, just that it's not the real true God. It's your God. <laughs> it's a lot of our gods. It's an idol, but it has, no less, it has no less relevance and power. And so this thing that I'm free, I'm, I'm, my life is my own, and I can t- it's, 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 there's a huge downside to it because the only one that can make it now and, and fulfill that life is you. It's you. And is that really so great? What if you don't make it? Your whole life is going to be filled with fear, and anxiety, or if you get past the fear and the anxiety because your performance is good enough, then you'll be filled with pride. <laughs> Those are the ways, this is, this, is all, this is all there is. If you don't have faith in something else, faith is in something else, there's some other hope, honestly, this is all there is. You just choose, you just choose whichever God of success you want. The beauty God, the perfect, you know, the perfect kids God. You know, my kids got to turn, you know, you, you see the really anxiety ridden dad, <laughs> you know, the one who's just so gets super upset if his kid isn't good enough, you know, out on, on, on the football field or the anxiety ridden mom, <laughs> because really their God is the perfect family. So just choose, you choose whichever one, but if it's not faith in the real God in some other way, this is, this is the only pathway left. Okay, is that, is that, I hope that's not too, too depressing. It's really depressing, <laughs> but it's also really true. And so um, if you don't know the real God um, and you don't, let's say what I'm saying to you today and you're like, church is this church thing. I don't, I don't know, this is really, it's kind of interesting, but I don't know if it's for me. Um, and today I just want to say this to you. You just logged what I, what I just said to you, please just log it away in the back of your mind. Put that in there in, in, in your memory bank somewhere. And hopefully, not if, when, when, you, when your God casts you out, you know, this, the, 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 the success idol, then maybe you can remember that your faith should, could possibly be in something else. Maybe you should believe in something else. And that day, the Holy Spirit will be upon you. If you remember, maybe that Jesus person Maybe that Jesus thing is worth a shot. And when you have that memory that day, let me tell you, that's God that's good to you. He's been good to you that day. That's the Holy Spirit's been good to you that day. And drawing you back to where there's real hope in real life. Okay? Everyone has faith in something. And so choose wisely. You're making a bet. It's not just like some, okay, I have some doctrines in my head and I'm going to choose this religion. No, you're making a bet. As it's unbelievably irrelevant in your life. And I'm saying that to the Christians too. You say you're a Christian. You come to church. I believe in Jesus. And are you going to live by faith in Christ? Or are you going to actually live by faith in success? You can choose. I'm going to live by faith in, you know, my ability to, to, to do really well in school. Or I'm going to live in Christ. 
You're going to choose. Choose. And you don't just make that choice one day when you choose your religion. How will you live? It says the righteous shall live by faith. You'll live every day by faith. Where will your real faith and your real belief and your real trust be tomorrow, the day after that, the day after that? So will you trust that this person Christ really has your life and the way he calls your life to be, it's really secure in him. So let's go to part two. All right, what is, okay, what's faith in according to the Bible here, what is saving faith? So what I'm going to do here now is first I'm going to tell you what you're believing in if you believe in the gospel. And so a lot of you already know this, but it, uh, it's, let's just be really, you know, you, you just can't say this enough. I, I, I believe in, um, I trust Martin Luther. Martin Luther was one of the greatest pastors of all time. And he basically said, preach the gospel and then preach it again and beat it into their heads until they get it. That was basically his his approach, and that was good enough to change all of Germany and Europe. Um, so what does it mean when we believe in the gospel? It is not what you do. It is a news. It is a message that someone else has done for you and given righteousness and offered righteousness from God. In the gospel, a righteousness of God Not my righteousness, not my worthiness. Someone else's worthiness is now being offered. And how do you receive it? By believing in it. Not by by attaining it. Not by working at it. It's none of your works. 100% what he has done. Not 99% what he has done and then you kind of fill it out with the other one. No. He has done it. It is complete. So, The Son of God came to obey the Father. The Son of God came to love his neighbor. God came to be human in the way that we just don't know how to be human. When he had righteousness, it wasn't filled with all this horrible pride like I talked about last week. It was utterly self-giving and self-forgetful and truly loving, not like 50% loving and then 50% my agenda for me which is the way it kind of is. Some of you are better than me. You probably have like 80% you're loving and 20% your agenda. Often I'm like, I hope you don't always, I, I try to be as holy as I possibly can, okay? I'm your pastor and all my life serving you is repentance, is repentance. But my righteousness is not good enough. So I hope if one of these days when I'm not good enough for you, you'll forgive me and you will not put your faith in your pastor, You should put your faith in Jesus. What has he done? So when you believe in the gospel, he has completed a salvation. It is offered to you. You receive it. The instrument by which you receive this salvation is by believing in it. Faith. And what happens when you believe in Jesus? An incredible trade happens. An incredible trade happens. All his worthiness, all his obedience, all his righteousness, all his love, all his humility, all his joy, that is, that's what he brought to the table. You know what we bring to the table? We bring all our failure, all our wickedness, all our guilt, all our shame. And then the thing that we actually think is good about ourselves, all the ways that I've been a good person, all the ways I was nice to my neighbor, 
all the ways, you know, when I came to church, then I was being a good Christian, right? And you don't actually realize that's your righteousness and it stinks. <laughs> it's about you. And your righteousness and my righteousness, it's kind of good, but it's still kind of this poisoned by our actually sinfulness. And so we give our sins and our righteousness to him. He gives us himself, which is all of his righteousness and his joy. And you know where that exchange happens? On the cross. That's where it happens. So you know why it has to be on the cross? Because when it's all our righteousness and all our sins, our life is at stake, then we will deserve to be rejected by God. That's the cross. But instead... He said, I will bring all my righteousness. All your terribleness will be on me. And then God will kill me. <laughs> and all the hell that you deserve, I'll take it. But all my righteousness will defeat it. And when you have faith in Jesus, you're united to him. And all your terribleness dies with him on that cross. And then all his beauty and righteousness is now given to you by grace. It's given to you both ways. First, it's credited to you. Or the old word is imputed to you. It's just yours. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, like, it's like the uh, illustration I gave you. If a prostitute marries a billionaire, <laughs> it's his money, but her name is on the account. Can she draw from that account? Absolutely just like that. It's all his righteousness, but your name is on his account. And his righteousness is now, it's credited to you. It's imputed to you. It's called justification. But here's, it gets even better. His righteousness doesn't actually come into you. <laughs> That's called sanctification. And that'll happen by grace too. Even when you and I fail, <laughs> which we will, so you begin to follow him. And you know what the greatest motivation is? So this is one of the really incredible things. I want to say this to you, and you're going to forget this, but I want to tell this to you today. You know what your motivation should be to follow Jesus? Not because you're afraid that you'll fail. Fear is not the actual motivation to believe in Jesus and obey him and trust him and repent and you know, put away your sins and then trust in him some more. That is actually not the greatest um, um, there's not the greatest and right gospel motivation. The right gospel motivation is, well, I failed. Man, I didn't believe in that, and I fell down. You know what the right motivation is? Oh, but it, it's done. It's mine. So he's, you're, you keep waiting for him to like go chew you out, punish you for screwing up, right? If you've ever followed him a long time, you probably keep going, but I failed him. And you just keep waiting for like the shoe to drop and the punishment to hit. But all of the condemnation you deserve has already been done. It's complete. You know what's left for you? Grace. And so, why can't you get, on the, get back at it again and try again for the tenth time, the hundredth time, a thousand times? We sang it today. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. 
It just never, there is no shadow of turning. There's no shadow that gets cast out because he turns away. Because Jesus, what he has done is complete. He'll ever be faithful. He'll always be there for you. It's an absolutely faithful, complete work. That's the gospel. Okay? Now, when you believe that, now here, let's, get, let's talk about the part that a lot of you are going to be concerned about. But what if I don't believe it well enough? Right? <laughs> so I want to teach you something that um, the old theologians taught. What is a, what is a saving faith? And this, this, this question keeps coming up. It's not like only you have that question. Only I have that question. When I was a younger man, I had this question. So if I believe like this, but I kind of don't believe like this, or if I fail to believe like this, then maybe I won't make it. That's a big question. That's a serious question. So what is saving faith? Like, to, by faith. And so the answer... Um, they, and I'm gonna, they, is, I want to give to you a little bit modern language. Faith is a whole person activity. Faith is a whole person activity. You believe with the whole of your person. You believe in your head. You believe in your heart. You believe with your life. You believe in your intellect. You believe in your emotions. You believe in your actions. You believe with all of you. Real faith is a whole person activity. Now, let me, let me break it down in the way the old theologians put it. They actually gave specific terms for this. You don't have to remember the terminology, but just so let me just break it down for you, all right? One was, here are the three component parts of faith. Number one, there's what they call noticia. Noticia means the fundamental content of what is true. So this is why Christianity cares about doctrine. You have to, you can't just go, I believe in Jesus, but the picture of Jesus that you have in your mind is false, you have to believe in the real Jesus as presented in the real way by the true word. And so this person, as you're talking to him, shouldn't be a false Jesus you made up in your mind. I, I have a name for this. I call, you know, I call this the Stepford Jesus. There's this movie that came out years ago where they come up with these robot wives and the wives just always tell you, oh, husband, you are so good looking and everything you do is so great. That's a fake wife. And a lot of us, we all just wish we had a Stepford wife. And, that, and the one that you, you know, the, the soul, you know, the, the, the soulmate that you're all dreaming of, that's a Stepford husband, a Stepford wife. And guess what? We want a Stepford God. And then we also want a Stepford Jesus. So you have to have the right content, noticia, the real truth. So that's the first one, okay? And you don't have to have it perfectly like you have to have all the Bible memorized, but you have to have the fundamental view of who is Jesus and what has he done for you, which is why I just told you the gospel right now. So if what I just told you is what you believe and you have that in your mind, you have the noticia, okay? I just gave it to you, <laughs> all right? The content, that's first. Second, you have to have what they call a census. What is a census, okay? It's just a fam fancy word that says that your mind recognizes that what has the content of the gospel is true. I tend to think of it as the head part. As like your intellect grasps the fundamental teaching of the gospel, what Jesus has done for you, what you could not do for yourself, and you go like, I agree with that. I believe that that is true. That's what they call a census, right? And I would say most Christians, people who self-identify as Christians, they got those first two buckets down. They kind of know what the, the basic gospel is. 
And they're like, I believe in that. Okay, so at least it's in their mind. The third one is the one that might give you guys pause. And the third one is what they call fiducia. What's fiducia? So there's a place in, in James that says, even the demons know the truth about who Jesus is, but they don't trust Jesus and follow him. And so what is fiducia? Fiducia is fundamental heart trust. It's a fundamental heart trust that leads you to make the bet. You lay your life into his hands. And then when he tells you, go do this, you're going, well, well you're Jesus and you're the actual God. I, that's right. I'm supposed to actually have faith more in you, not in money <laughs> or not in myself, right? And so that deep piece of heart trust. So it's the whole of your person, your mind, the content, your heart trust that goes out and seeks him and places your life into his hands, into his leadership, into what he's done for you. We call that fiducia. All of that is part of faith. Okay. So now some of you are going, uh-oh. <laughs> that third bucket is, I'm not too good at that one. I'm not too good at that one, am I? I would say the first two buckets are fairly easy. You know the fundamental gospel content? I mean, if you just listen to this sermon, it's fine. You, you, got the, you got that. And then you listen. If you go to enough Bible studies, you will certainly get it. And then you can go, you know what? Somewhere along the line, I think my mind is convinced. But this third one, day by day, trusting, that's not that easy, is it? <laughs> And we regularly want to trust in what we do and the whole world is screaming, if you don't do this well, we'll cast you out. <laughs> You'll get an F. You won't make the next promotion. Your wife will just, you know, be like, that's it. You can sleep on the couch. <laughs> okay, you failed at being a husband and you can sleep on the couch. Huh? And we always think that with God, it's like that too. But it's not, huh? Let me close my message today. I want to talk about, here's what faith looks like. You're like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm not good at trusting. You know, it's so good that God, when I was a younger, um, you know, first I was so glad that salvation wasn't based on my works and my performance. It's like, oh good, there's forgiveness. And then there's grace. Oh, that's so incredible. And so I got saved and I believe in Jesus. And then I really wanted to be a good Christian. I really wanted to follow Jesus. And so then I kind of like ramped up and started doing everything. You know, don't just go to church on Sunday. Go, go you know, we, we had Thursday night Bible. So I went on Thursday. And then they, they, they taught, do the quiet time. So I did that. And then there was like, oh, okay. So, you know, who wants to be, who wants to be active in the youth group? I, I did that. Okay, so, and then, you know, I grew up in a Korean church and then they just kept asking you to do more and more things. <laughs> and so I was like, oh gosh. So next thing you know, I had like seven or eight things on my plate and I was like, okay, I, okay, it's okay. I'm not gonna do the next one. But then I, so this question mark has happened in my mind. What if I'm not really trusting enough? And I kind of ended up in this little bit no man's land because deep down I was thinking maybe my faith isn't good enough. You ever been there? I'm sure a lot of you are there. I'll tell you two stories and close. Um, a number of years ago, I think Young was there, I was there, like Frank, we went out to a Gospel Coalition conference I was in Chicago. 
And there are a number of fantastic speakers. But you know who my favorite was. It was Tim Keller, <laughs> right? And Tim Keller is almost always, like, it's like that guy never has a bad Sunday or a bad, it's like, it's crazy, okay? He, okay, he, he like bats like 900. He, even he can't bat 1,000, okay? I, I, but that day, man, he was on. I mean, like he was on fire. Like he was, must have been glowing with the Holy Spirit. When I was this time, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so, like the gospel was so compelling. And I want to give you the part that he was talking. He was talking about the Red Sea. He was talking about the Red Sea. And, um, you know, Israel is chosen by God. Nothing that they did. They were terrible people. <laughs> you know, they're the descendants of Abraham. God promised Abraham, I will save your people. It's chosen by God. They're enslaved. They're complaining. They don't even want to be made free. And then they get to this point. God does incredible. All these different plagues. You guys have watched the movie, right? You know? Like Charlton Heston, that's not what Moses looked like, but that's how I always remember, okay? Then they get to the Red Sea, and the army is closing in behind them, and they're going to die. The most powerful military in the whole world, of the greatest power in the whole world. And they get to the sea, and they're going to die. And um, then you guys know how the story, God has to show up. <laughs> God goes, watch. And this, you know, Moses, whatever, puts up the staff and the sea parts. Now, let me ask you this question. You have to trust in God and his promises for you. And you know how you will trust if you are part of Israel there? You'll walk through that, walk through the parting. So just think about that for a moment. Put yourself there. There's a wall of water here, and there's a wall of water here. If you go in this thing, and if at any moment that's, that miracle just stops, you're dead. But here's your other choice. We'll stay here, and we'll either be killed or at least be, at least be taken back to slavery. You've got to just go back to your old life. Those are, the, those are the choices. So, this is the way Tim Keller put it. They go in. <laughs> Anybody who walks in is making a bet. All of them are making that bet. My life will be saved by God right here. Our people will be saved by God right here. And here's what Tim Keller said. You guys kind of know what it's like. Some people walk through like this. Yes! <laughs> Look at this! Whoa! God! Our God is God! Oh, yes! Well, too bad, Pharaoh. <laughs> We're going to make it out of here. And they're like, enjoy, because they believe everything. They're like, look, look at these little fishes. Cool. <laughs> As they walk through. Some are like that. Are you like that? Some are like this. They're walking in, and they, they see the water up to, and they, they tell, oh, no, my goodness, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. We're going to die, oh, we're going to die, we're going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. We're not going to make, oh, we're going to die. We're not going to make it. Are you like that? Um, I, uh, you know what? And I, I actually, he says, it is not the quality of your faith. This is the way Tim Keller put it. Actually, I learned it this way. When I was in college, he's quoting actually one of his mentors, Becky Manley Pippert. She says, we don't have faith in faith. We have faith in Christ. Not 
We're not seeking to have a great faith. We're seeking to have faith in a great God and a great Redeemer. Is what he has done for you more than enough? Is it enough? Then make your bet there. And if you do it while you're totally, oh, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, and you do it very poorly, and you do it very weakly, it's okay. Because it's not based on you. It's based on him. I'm going to close with this story too. So, I'm going to say this to you. You may go, oh, I'm like the people are going, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. Let me just actually be even more blunt. You're not just afraid, you're going to fail. It's not just that you're afraid, you will fail. At the moment when you're supposed to trust and trust with your heart, you know, fiducia, you're like, I believe in Jesus, but not today. <laughs> you will deny him, you will disobey, you fail. I'm gonna close this way. So, um, personal story, this is how I always remember it. And, um, I might, and if you've been with me a long time, you might have heard this story, but it's a good one, okay? A number of years ago when I was a very young pastor, I wasn't ordained yet, and um, came into a church, and on our staff, a young member um, was a youth pastor. He was a part-time youth pastor, kind of like, you know, before he had finished seminary, his, guy named, his name was Chan. Chan passed away a few years ago. Chan was a beautiful brother. When he was young, he grew up in L.A. and he was part of a gang and he used to beat people up for fun and he did drugs. And he had an incredible conversion and gave his life to Jesus. He was really good at getting the rebellious kids to follow Jesus. The kids that like, might end up in the gang. <laughs> you know, like moms would call up Chan and say, my kid is one of those kids. Can you come talk to my kid? And Chan would show up and tell that kid, there's somebody named Jesus, and these kids will get saved. <laughs> that's, what it, that's, that's kind of what Chan was like, okay? And we're overall, the guys were all, he, he was really good at gathering the guys. The guys were all hanging out in his apartment, and we're watching ESPN, because you know, that's what we do. And then, like, sometimes we play poker or, or whatever, and then go out and play basketball. You know, that's kind of what it was like. And the news came out on ESPN that Daryl Strawberry... You guys haven't even been know who he is. He's a superstar baseball player. Daryl Strawberry was dominating the major leagues at the age of 19. He's like Mike Trout before Mike Trout. But Daryl Strawberry also had a problem with co cocaine. And it came out that Daryl Strawberry believed in Jesus. And then, it was great, but then news came out that Daryl Strawberry fell off the wagon, was doing coke again. And so the guys in the room were like, he's not a real Christian. He's not a Christian. <laughs> he's not a real Christian. Come on. And so then this little dis discussion started and like, you know, these guys said, do you think he's a Christian? Do you think he's a Christian? And no, 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 no. The room went around. And then, and then they asked Chan, Chan, do you think he's a Christian? And then you know what Chan did? He said, hey, Susan, what do you think? And I said, I failed. If Daryl Strawberry is not a Christian, I'm not a Christian. Salvation is by grace. And then the room got like, whoa. And then it got even better. 
And then Chan said, yeah, Susang is right. I think that's totally right. And then he told this story that none of, nobody knew. He had become a Christian. He had actually started going to Bible college. He had started to become a leader in his church. And then he fell off the wagon and did heroin. And the brothers at his church found out that he fell off the wagon, and then they came looking for him. And, they, and the way he told the story is, this is the part I always remember, he was like all messed up in an alley, and they had to find him and pull him out of an alley. And they forgave him and told him the gospel again, and he turned back to Jesus. That's what faith looks like. <laughs> you will fail. Your fiducia will falter. But that's exactly what the gospel is. He is on that cross. All your failures, all your righteousness will come to an end. But his will be more than good enough. Turn to him again. Believe in him again. Your faith will falter. But it's not how good your faith is. It's how good he is. It's how good the redeemer is. Believe in him, and to believe in him again, and to believe in him again, and to repent again. You're like, but I screwed that, but like, how could you forgive me again? Because he does, because he loves you. Even though you keep failing him again, he will. That's the gospel. Would you believe in that? Let's pray. Can this be true? Can this be true? That we can fail you a thousand times. We could believe in you and then we deny you and then we fail you. It isn't just that we fail to believe and obey. There are people who have blasphemed you and denied you. Peter denied you. And our brother, he failed even as a leader. I know what that's like too. We are so unbelievably grateful that salvation is by faith, not by our works, not even by us holding on to our faith, not even by making our faith good. The faith can be poor because the Savior is great. The Redeemer is more than good enough and His death and resurrection and His grace is more than good enough. So we pray, Lord, that um, there's anybody here who hears this message. The Christian who is so nervous, he thinks even his salvation or her salvation is built on how well she follows. May she remember, may he trust, it's how well you have followed. And if there's anybody else here today who has never entrusted their life to you, Lord Jesus, if you're here today and you're hearing this message, maybe you would like to put your faith not in yourself or in some other God, but in this God, the true God. This is what he offers. A salvation by faith, a righteousness from God, not your own. We love you, we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.